And welcome back to the Conservative Atheist Podcast. I'm your host, the Conservative Atheist, and I'm joined by my co-host. Uh, brighter later. Hey, guys. And today we're talking about African gangs in Australia, which is a huge problem. But most people around the world don't seem to know about it. But this is a tremendous problem. Uh, extremely high crime rate, especially for their population size. And it's one of those one of those situations that gets brushed under the rug. Anybody in the United States that knows what's going on with uh, with with the with the uh, crime problem in the United States knows about political correctness and how even the police will hide things. Anybody in the UK that has dealt with uh, grooming gangs that uh, you know molest and, and rape small children and young girls, and uh, it, it goes brushed under the rug because of political correctness. So without further ado, uh, Brighter Leader, I believe you had an article you'd like to read. Yeah. So this is coming from abc.net, and it's by a criminologist, uh, I, I believe a criminologist or sociologist, but uh, it starts off by saying, African, predominantly South Sudanese youth, comprise at least 19% of young people in custody, despite being less than 0.5% of Victoria's youth population. So the article starts off by saying that, and which kind of tells you everything you need to know, because... In Victoria, which is where a lot of this happens, which for a lot of people is the, I guess, state or whatever it is that uh, Melbourne's in, Black, or I guess, South Sudanese are 0.5% of the youth population, and they are 19%, or at least 19% of the prison population, which means that they account for what they should account for. They account for 30, 38 times what they should account for in the prison, or their, in the general prison population. 38 times. Wow. Yeah. That's, an, that's absolutely insane. It's... It's similar numbers, if not worse numbers, than what we have here. Yeah. I, I should say what's also important about that is that uh, a lot of people will like to argue that, uh, oh, when you look at the disproportionate number of crime of South Sudanese, you have to take into account they're younger, which this statistic does, because it brings up uh, youth, which obviously younger people are more likely to commit crimes than older ones. It then goes on to say... Higher rates of African-Australian youth imprisonment are most likely because of an increase in violent criminal activity by some members of that group. A recent study point, pointed to this significantly higher rate of crimes against the person by South Sudanese-born youth compared to Australian-born youth between 2015 and 2018. Crimes against the person include serious offenses such as robbery and assault, which often involve less police discretion. There are also crimes that tend to receive uh, custodial sentences, in contrast, rates for less serious crimes, such as public order and drug offenses, have remained stable and relatively low for South Sudanese-born youth. If policing profiling of African-American young people is pervasive, one might have expected public order and drug offenses to climb during a period of intense media coverage, given that such crimes generally involve more police discretion. So, right. So, so basically, the crimes that, that allow for more police discretion hasn't changed so if it was it was because of uh, the bias on the police uh, on the part of the police department then the, the one the crimes that have the give the police the most discretion would rise dramatically right but that's not the case it's the extremely violent crimes yeah where there really is no ambiguity as to what right happened, which which obviously this is supposed to undercut this idea that uh well, it's either due to racial profiling or it's just entirely due to the fact that they're younger, so they're just naturally going to commit more crimes. Right. No, it's, a rape and a murder, an assault, you know, all stabbings, shootings, all these are what they are. There's no ambiguity to it. Yeah. I, I should say that uh, the one other thing I wanted to read came from a New York Times article, which uh, I guess had to do with the aftermath of uh, the liberal prime minister at the time, uh, had uh, talked about African gangs being a problem. And for those who don't know, uh, the liberal party is... Uh, is what the conservative or Republican party is in the United States for them. But uh, it, I, I think this does a good job. It's from the New York times, but I think it does a particularly good job of underscoring, underscoring the kind of lunacy in this and the political correctness. But it starts up by saying Melbourne, Australia, Australia's prime minister has warned of the threat posed by African migrants forming critical gangs, cr criminal gangs in one of the country's most populous States, but had little statistical evidence to support his claim leading to accusations of fear-mongering and counterclaims of political correctness. Then it says, Victoria criminal stats or crime stats show that Sudanese immigrants are overrepresented in criminal stat arrests. About 1.5% of offenders in Victoria are Sudanese. Though Sudanese and South Sudanese immigrants make up about one, about half a percent of the state's population, according to a parliamentary inquiry last year. This is where it gets ridiculous. It says, 
The vast majority of crimes in Victoria are committed by Australian-born offenders between June 2016 and June 2017. 1,462 serious assaults were committed by Australian-born youth offenders, compared to 45 for those born in Sudan. Data from the same period shows that 98 aggregate burglaries were committed by South uh, Sudanese youth offenders compared to 540 for those born in Australia. So I I should say what this article is saying is that uh, the idea that, uh, oh, well, he's basically fear-mongering the statistics don't bear this out, which if you actually look at what they say, they say for South Sudanese or Sudanese-born Australians, they commit 98 uh, aggregate burglaries, whereas for the rest of Australia, it's 540. So... That means that 0.5% of the population is committing 15% of the burglaries relative to the re- relative to native-born Australians. Right. So, so they're committing over 30 times what they should be committing. And the New York Times think that that's just a dog whistle pointing that out. Well, yeah, that's that's because they, they, they're playing with the numbers. They, they're not doing per capita. And they don't do per capita because they know that, that that reveals the truth. And they don't want the truth revealed because it's not politically correct. Yeah, so I, the 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 one thing that you mentioned was is that uh, so, so the play uh, number one clip for me. I think that's what they're talking about. Yeah. I, I should say that the article also references that uh, Victoria has a nearly twenty percent crime uh, increase in the past five years, which uh, obviously harkening back to the first article where it said that uh, blacks or Sudanese immigrants are nineteen percent of the prison population. That seems to have a pretty good. That seems to be one of the reasons or a big uh, reason for that. You know. Of course. And it also seems if uh, 20% of the pop, if you've seen a 20% increase and now 20% of a really infinitesimal size of the population is committing that 20% or 20% of the crimes, then that should probably tell you everything you need to know. And that uh, this is not uh, kind of far-fetched or reaching for straws calling this out. I used to live in Melbourne many years ago. This isn't the Melbourne I remember, my goodness. Yeah, it's not the Melbourne a lot of people know, even the folks that still live there. The Home Affairs Minister, Peter Dutton, he said that people in Melbourne are afraid to go out to restaurants at night because of African gangs. Here's part of his interview with an Australian radio group earlier this week. The reality is people are scared to go out to restaurants at the night time because they're followed home by these gangs. Home invasions and cars are stolen and... I would just need to call it for what it is. Of course, it's African gang violence. Yeah, so that's that's the, one of the lead politicians in Australia laying it out the way it is. It's not, it's refreshing. It's nice to hear an, a politician actually have the guts to tell it the way it is and not uh, let political correctness silence them. Yeah, it, well, it said he's the Home Affairs Minister, and uh, I guess uh, my knowledge of uh, British politics is that the Home Affairs Minister. You, you is mean you mean uh, Australian? Oh, I was saying, but. Uh, I know in Britain that uh, their parliamentary system, the Home Affairs, in charge of crime. So I'm assuming the same thing is for is the case for Australia. I agree. So he's laying it out the way it is, and unfortunately, there's you know the the news media and most of the politicians and the police department is is politically correct. All the political correctness we have to fight with in the United States, it's nothing. It it pales in comparison to other countries, to the UK. Uh, to Australia, and even to um, the Canadians in the north, just to our north. It, it pales in comparison. The political correctness is just run amok. Okay, play clip two for me. Eight young men, including members of a street gang, are under arrest following a stabbing in a high-rise apartment earlier this week. As Neary Tai reports, six people were hurt when an argument turned violent inside the short-term rental. The party's over for eight young men arrested by police. Detectives swooped on gang members in pre-dawn raids this morning following a mass stabbing in the city. The violent offending of this nature will not be tolerated. More than 50 youths were gathered at a short-term rental at Spencer Street's Neo 200 complex when a brawl erupted inside. It's lucky that... Nobody was killed out of this incident. Gang members from the western suburbs as well as the opposing southeast were at the party when an argument broke out, sparking an all-in frenzied knife attack. This is a, a unique one-off event that relates to tensions between individuals. Uh, rather than tensions between gangs. A 19-year-old Danny Nong man was seriously injured but managed to flee, flagging down police outside Southern Cross.
and five other injured teens also managed to get themselves closer to home before heading to hospital. It was very concerning for us uh, and, and certainly the, um, the carriage at Knives is of great concern to us. Early morning raids were executed at 11 properties across the city's southeast, leading to the arrest of a 20-year-old Cranbourne man, 19-year-olds from Dandenong and Langwarren, 18-year-old men from Dublin, North, two other 18-year-olds from Dandenong North and a 16-year-old Pakenham boy. Those at the party could also face fines for breaching the Chief Health Officer's orders. Live to Neary Thai now. Neary, the eight young men have just been charged. That's right, Pete. All eight have just been charged with a fray, common assault and violent disorder. I can reveal that some of the gang members were actually on bail at the time of the incident. Detectives from the gang crime squad moved quickly this week to make those arrests to prevent any further violence this weekend. I've been told they are looking for one more suspect in relation to this case. They know who this person is and it's only a matter of time before they make that arrest, Pete. Violent disorder. Okay, so they don't mention it in the in the news broadcast. And you can't see it because this is audio. But every single person involved, both the all the gang members, the victims, all the people at the party, all share one thing in common. All of them were Africans. It was an African gang party that became extremely violent because two different factions, two different gangs, uh, came into conflict at the party. And of course, they started stabbing the hell out of each other. Right. So they showed pictures of the eight young men. And uh, again, they all had the same thing in common. They were African gang members. Of course, they don't mention that specifically in the, in the, uh, in the news coverage because, again, it's not politically correct. Right. I, I should say another thing that... Uh... This, this reminded me a bit of a, if you read a lot of the kind of literature and a lot of the debates on uh, African gangs or gang or rhetoric around African gangs in Australia, a lot of kind of the PC liberals like to argue that, or obviously leftist, because uh, liberals uh, refers to conservatives in Australia, but uh, they'll argue that, oh, well, this only really got, this only really uh, garnered some sort of salience because the media made it a thing. And they just got kind of pinpointed on a couple of cases, which the irony, and once again, this shows that they're just not thinking, is that, uh, okay, well, it is, all we have is just cases, you know, and if, and if there weren't, it's, it seems like you could do the same thing, you could just pull up, like, I guess, white criminals doing gangs, but they can't, you know, which seems to imply what they're, when they say that, oh, well, you're just focusing on black gangs, and it's just a couple of anecdotes, it seems that they could do the same thing of white gangs, which, unfortunately, they can't, which I find kind of interesting. Unfortunately, they can't, and I'm not saying that white gangs don't exist. I'm sure in some form or fashion, everything on the planet exists in some, you know, to some degree. There's no doubt about that. But to, to what degree? Right. Uh, you know, well, how, how much, if you look at the population size, is it proportionate to the population size? And it's not. The, astro the, the differences are astronomical. Right. Astronomical. And people pretend like this doesn't matter. Of course it matters. Hiding your head in the sand. That's why all those grooming gangs got away with, uh, with, with raping young girls for decades. Why? Because it was all Middle Eastern Muslim men, mostly Pakistani. And they, didn't, they were worried they were going to get called racist or bigots or anti-Islamic or Islamophobia, which is some made-up bullshit term. Uh, to silence criticism, legitimate or, in, or illegitimate. It's just, it's just a tactic to silence criticism. But for decades, grooming gangs from the Middle East uh, ran, ran amok in different, different towns and cities in, in uh, the UK, and probably still, and I'm sure still do. And people held a blind eye, and then they're like, oh my God, how, how, you know, we didn't know all this was happening for the last 20, 25 years. You sure as hell did know. There was plenty of reports. They were ignored. They were swept under the rug. And so that's the situation with this. You have all these different... For some reason, a Western civilization is plagued with an illness, and the illness is political correctness. Or, or the, new, the new trendy term is wokeness. But it's political correctness. And political correctness is... It's like a cancer. It's, it's like it hamstrings you to where you can't, you can't fight to save your own life or save your own society. 
Right. It's, it's very, very bizarre. It, it's, it's difficult to wrap your mind around. Why? It, it, Douglas Murray wrote this book called The Strange Death of Europe, and I highly recommend to anybody that wants to read a really good book on, the, on this problem. Read that book. Yeah. I, I should say kind of to that point, uh, a lot of the stuff they've been reading on this, uh, people seem to take umbrage with the, oh, well, they're calling them African gangs. And then they think that, uh, oh, well, that can only be racist. And why ever would you do that? And I remember one person I was reading suggested that, uh, oh, well, you shouldn't call them African gangs because uh, you should you should look at like the social the socioeconomic status that made them do that. And you should view that as that kind of converging factor, which one, there's going to be ambiguity there as to what exactly uh, would cause them to do it. And two, it seems like if you think it's all racist and you think that it, uh, uh, the only reason why they could do this is because of like some sort of like a systemic prejudice or racist, then we should have no problem. Then you should have no problem in people calling them black, you know, because right. they indicate that uh, uh, I guess they're a victim of the systemic racism, which I guess in a way just showed that they actually maybe don't believe that as much as they let on, you know? Well, yeah, it's, it's political correctness again. <clears throat> it's like when, we, when uh, Trump said uh, the, the China virus. So people got upset or, you know, the <laughs> joke, the Hong Kong flu. So, but did anybody get mad about the German measles? Right. Did any, anybody get mad about the Spanish flu? No. Why is it called the German measles? Because it's, it's uh, the place of origin, they believe, was Germany. Why did they call it uh, the, the uh, Spanish flu? Because they believed it was the, the origination was uh, Spain. Yeah, I, I believe. I, I could be wrong about that. And please... Please feel free to comment and tell me I'm a jackass and that I'm, I'm misunderstanding. But th those nobody got upset because those were racist terms because they weren't racist terms. They were just simply terms denoting the the source of the uh, of the viruses. Right. Well, we should also say another kind of irony, and this kind of goes to wokeness in general, is that uh, we're seeing in America now where Biden constantly keeps saying our our most grave threat is a uh, or uh, domestically is white supremacy, white supremacist terrorism. And they have no problem saying that white people are behind this and that they're they're just naturally uh, are, are invariably going to be more likely to do this stuff. And it's just causing so much problems. And we're even here. We're seeing FBI agents are saying that are testifying, saying, no, this is kind of a dud. They're forcing us to do this and it's not productive. But with, with that in mind, if you say something like, oh, a big problem is black crime and that's what's really kind of uh, seeping into our societal problems, you would be chastised as a racist or a bigot, whereas if you You say... would be a pariah. Yeah. People would want you to fired, and they would want somebody to try to figure out some way to bring up some kind of criminal charge against you. You would be an absolute outcast. No, yeah. and, and, and all the statistics in the world and the facts in the world wouldn't change anything. Yeah. Okay, play... Uh... Play my next clip, please. Six months ago, I spent 10 days on the streets of Melbourne with the South Sudanese and African communities Stop. who live here. In Stop. I don't believe that's the right clip. I could be wrong. Wait a second. That's Okay, it is the right clip. I, I apologize. Go ahead. My, my apologies. Six months ago, I spent 10 days on the streets of Melbourne with the South Sudanese and African communities who live here, in their homes, with their families, with their at-risk young men and with the police who are trying to control them. Since then, the eyes of our national leaders have again fallen to this community. So I'm back to find out what has changed and what hasn't. This is what police said in February about using the word gangs in relation to African youth crime. So in this context, is the word gang a policing word or a political word? Um, it's a word that should be used appropriately. And you think it's been used uh, inappropriately? Sometimes it can be. But Commissioner Graham Ashton recently said they can be described as gangs. How has that changed from six months ago when police told 7.30 that the use of this term was inappropriate? What we know is that the, these young people come together quite quickly uh, and it may be just for one night. So our traditional notion of a gang just doesn't apply. Um, as a police, as law enforcement, we often, when we refer to gangs, we're looking at things like OMCGs, outlaw motorcycle gangs, organised crime groups. That's not the case here. So African Australians aren't involved in those sorts of organised crime in, in we're Victoria? We're not seeing that. 
We're not seeing that. We're not seeing uh, African Australians uh, involved in OMCGs or organised crime. So why are people from a South Sudanese background 57 times more likely to commit aggravated burglaries, for example, in this state? Well, you've got to be careful with numbers like that for a start. We're talking about very, very small numbers uh, of offenders. Uh, you know, when we talk about people from a South Sudanese background, we know we're dealing with about 100, 150 young people that are involved in these crimes. And this is part of the narrative that I think is really uh, divisive. Okay, so this guy is a politically correct and full of shit. 57 times. Did he say 57 or 59? I believe he said 57. 57 times more likely to commit a burglary. And so those are the hard statistical facts. He says, well, he speculates. He's like, well, we're talking about 100, 150 young men. Um, well, first of all, if that's true, that makes it even worse. The smaller the number committing the more more the, the, the smaller the number and the higher rate of crimes it makes it worse. Yeah. So let's just assume that's true for a moment. His other notion is is that this is just a random thing where gang where gangs of, of uh, these black youth these these African gangs uh, get together and just start something out of the blue. I, I'm not really sure how that makes it any better, but it, it I believe he's also lying about this. He's being politically correct. Uh, because we have we have people that are authorities that we're going to play and rebuttal that completely refute his nonsense. Yeah. Well, I should say, and it kind of goes back to the New York Times article, is that they seem to think that because it's such an infinitesimal, because uh, I guess South Sudanese are such an infinitesimal size percentage or uh, percentage of the population that uh, it's a seemingly a moot point for calling them out for crime. I mean. There was one article in particular, or I guess uh, one of the things that happened was that uh, I guess a politician, a South Sudanese politician in Australia said that, oh, well, South Sudanese only amount for 1% of the crime, which they're not taking into account that they're 0.1% of the population. So they're committing 10 <laughs> times the amount of crime that they should yeah. you know? Right. Yeah, they, they keep forgetting the whole per capita thing, uh, per population, for, you know, the, the number they're committing for their population, for their size. You know, it, it, it's very simple, people. I, I, I hate to do this, but I'm going to do this. So let's say there's 100 blue people and 10 green people. And let's say 30 gr blue people commit rape and eight green people commit rape. Yes, 30 is bigger than eight, but 30 out of 100 is 30%. Eight out of 10 is 80%. So for your population size, you commit a way more crimes, way more rapes in that example I just gave. Than the, the than the larger group, right? It's not that difficult to figure out. It's pretty simple math. Well, I, I mean, even if you accept the argument, I, I mean, even if you try to, I guess, pare away at some of the wokeness, he's in effect saying something to the effect of, uh, "Well, there's such an infinitesimal, uh, uh, I guess, part of the population, and they, as far as like an aggregate goes, they don't commit that much crime." Which I, I think that's what he's trying to say. But you can also have the kind of uh, retort to that is that. Uh, Okay, if so many, I guess, black youth are committing such a disproportionate amount of crime, shouldn't you bring it up? Because if if a part of our community or a certain ethnic block of our community is committing this crime, they're naturally going to grow. Therefore, that's why we should be very wary of them or be very mindful of these statistics, you know? Well, it's not just that. It's it's like it's like talking about rape and ignoring the fact that over 99 percent of rapes are committed by men. Right. How the hell would that make sense? How can you tackle, how can you pretend that it's not almost all men when you're dealing with the, the crime of rape if you're really trying to come up with a solution? Yeah. That's, it's just ridiculous. Okay, let's play the next I, clip. I was going to say one, one last thing to this. Uh, I mean, you have to understand how ridiculous it is. this is, kind of underscoring this, is that uh, we already brought up the point that uh, something like 19% of uh, Victoria youth in prison are of uh, South Sudanese descent and they're only 0.5% of the population. That's like the, the equivalent of that to the, what this police officer is saying, or with that in mind, it's like you, it's like there's a guy who commits 20% of all the horrible crimes in your community. And you say that, well, I don't think we should really put an emphasis on that one guy because it's such an infinitesimal amount. It's only 20%. You know, <laughs> you, you know, you know what it's like? It's like talking about that new, that new movie came out. I think, I think it's on Netflix. Uh, Dahmer. It's about Jeffrey Dahmer, the serial killer, the gay serial killer. I remember he would get those gay guys and he would 
I don't know, hit him in the head with something and then eat him or whatever. And it was a cannibal. And well, anyway, it's like saying Jeffrey Dahmer, you, you know what a small infant, infinitesimal part of his life, what a small percentage of his life he spent killing and eating people. Right. Very small. Most of the time he was doing his laundry. He was cooking. He was working at a job. He was driving back and forth. <laughs> he was grocery shopping. He was doing a lot of things. It, it, the, the, the part of his life that where he was kidnapping and 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 uh, and brutalizing and and uh, raping and torturing and and eating his victims, that was a very small. That was the infinitesimal part of his life. So why you know why why focus on that little tiny infinitesimal part of his life when there's so much more to what he was and what he did? Yeah, I, I should say one other point before we play the next clip. Uh, they seem to take umbrage with the idea of a gang, which uh, oh well they're. What they seem to take umbrage this idea of a gang and basically spill hairs with it. But the question is, if a bunch of, uh, I guess, Africans get together and they immediately start committing crime, <laughs> that seems to have something to do with it. You know, that seems right. to be something that uh, would constitute gang activity. I mean, unless you think it's just that uh, every time they, they just do so much bad stuff that <laughs> it's really irrelevant as to whether or not they're doing it in a group, you know? Well, well either way you slice it, if it's organized that's bad because then they're planning it out and they're doing this and they're that. And if they're just getting together and running amok, then they're barbarians and they can't be trusted to be living in, in, in Australian society. Yeah. So, what, what, so either way you slice it, it's not good. Yeah. Well, they seem to be saying that, Oh, well, it's not super organized, but I'm like, if every time they get together, they just commit crime. I think that has something to do with, even if you, let's say it's like a relative organization. It's if every time they get together, they commit crime. I'd say that's probably organized crime on some level. You know, you know, when I was when I was a teenager, when I was in my 20s, I went to a lot of parties, a lot of parties, more than I'd like to admit to. And I have to tell you that there was occasional fights. Nobody got stabbed. Nobody got shot. There's never never even a question that something like that was going to happen. But every time these groups, this group of people, these African gang members get together, somebody's going to die. Right. Well, I mean, that's pretty that's bad. And get hurt. Right. Or somebody's going to become a victim of that thing. <laughs> right. What, what, what the hell kind of party is that? Yeah. Okay, so let's play this, let's play this uh, next clip. This is the rebuttal to the bullshit that the other guy just said. We have people who have been scared to, to live in their own, their own homes. Liberal member for La Trobe and former policeman Jason Wood says youth crime has not gone away in southeastern Melbourne. The number one issue is youth gang crime, number one issue. And that's not because people are reading about it in the papers, that's because of either being a victim or they know someone who has been a victim. He's taking me to a shopping centre in his electress that was the scene of a recent robbery at Knife Point. OK, Andy, here we are at Fountain Gate uh, Shopping Centre. Last Sunday, 4 o'clock, 16-year-old boy is just waiting for his parents to um, pick him up. And what happens is approached by uh, two Africans and the European uh, youth. They then um, produce a knife and basically rob him. Yes, there's been a number of uh, high-profile crimes, some committed by allegedly South Sudanese young people. But haven't those crimes been, like this one you're indicating, mm. haven't they been elevated to be irrelevant in a political year? This is an election year. Well, at the, the same time, too, if you spoke to the, the victim or their family or their friends or the witnesses, this to them is a very, very serious crime. A vocal critic of the Victorian government's response to crime is calling for a federal government task force like those okay. used to combat gang crimes overseas. I visited the UK and visited the US, realised how effective joint task force um, actually are. And that's the police, police say that there isn't an organised crime problem. That's, that's what we're hearing from Commander Bateson. Well, Victoria, uh, well, I'm a former Victoria police officer. I was also at the organised uh, crime squad. So you're saying he's wrong? I'm saying Victoria police, to say there's no links to organised crime is, is wrong. There you go. So we have basically the politician, the police politician saying that there's no gang problem, that there's no real organized crime problem. He's saying that. And now we have another man who has actually worked in the gang unit, the organized gang unit. And he's saying, no, 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 that's not true. Uh, they're 100% wrong. Uh, there, is a, there is a gang problem. There is an organized crime problem. 
you know. I tend to believe him more than some some glad handing, politically correct, bullshitting politician. Right. Well, I think it goes back to it. I mean, I, I kind of made this point already, but I mean, as as we saw, so nineteen percent of the prisons are filled by 05 percent of the population. You know. Right. Or or, or or youth or the youth, and that's they amount for 05 percent of it. But the whole point here is that if such a if such a small infinitesimal uh, percentage of the community commits such a uh, disproportionate number of crimes people are just gonna have anxiety over it you know if i mean i, I heard documentaries and some woman was saying that uh which i guess she said this kind of reluctantly because she realized she'd be portrayed as racist but her her uh, uh i guess someone broke into her home trying to steal stuff and her response was look there aren't that many black people here and i've been a victim of a crime now whenever i think see a black person in my, in my neighborhood or around my area i think that person's gonna attack me you know and I think that kind of phenomenon is what's kind of being crystallized here. It's that, look, there's a really, really small percentage of the population that's committing an astronomical amount of crime, even if it's like 15, 20 percent. That's still going to or in some in some uh, crime indexes. That's still going to kind of uh, uh, drum up suspicion, you know, and that's going to make us all very, very leery. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't know what else people expect. Yeah. Well, the. Yeah, I, I mean, another thing that uh, I, I've seen this kind of uh, harkening back to America, they'll bring up the fact that uh, on a lot of crime indexes or particular crimes, have has they've risen by something like 15, 20% post-George Floyd. And they'll say, oh, well, that's just an infinitesimal amount, blah, blah, blah. It's who cares that much. If you're worried about crime, there's something wrong with you. But if there's a 20% increase in crime, there's going to be a lot more people victimized and if, I mean, it, it just stands to reason that if you see 20% uh, increase in crime, you're going to think, okay, well, there's a much greater chance that I become victimized, you know? Exactly. And if it's the case that you kind of, with that in mind, that there's a much greater chance you're going to be victimized and you're, the statistics bear it out that, uh, oh, it's coming from this very, very small group of people, that's probably going to make you even more feel like crap because you're going to be around that very, very small group of people. And then every time you see them, you're going to uh, uh, kind of chalk them up with, you know, they could be committing the crimes, you know, or that could be a criminal and they're not entirely wrong, you know. Right. But, uh... The facts are the facts, regardless of political correctness, the facts are the facts. Anybody doesn't like facts, too bad. Yeah, I, I should say that uh, I, this might be a little bit antiquated, but another thing I was going to read, but to, it's a little bit pertinent. And I'm not going to read the whole thing. It's just uh, it says that. So I guess on, I'm. So about uh, if you chalk it all up, about one in 72 people in Victoria and I think 2018, they were likely they were going to commit a crime. Or that's what the numbers kind of boiled down to. One in 72 should be expected to commit a crime for the general population. If you look at uh, the South Sudanese, it's one in 10. You know, one in 10. Think about that. One in 72 versus one in 10. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, so 10% of the people you're going to run into are going to be some criminal, whereas only for the rest of the population, it's going to be one in 72. I mean, that's just naturally going to make you, uh, I guess, much more leery of a certain group of people. And I don't think that's entirely rational, you know? I think it's completely rational. Yeah. If you ran, you know, if you run into a certain breed of dog and that dog bites you or, or you know, is more, is more likely to bite you and you've had experienced it more. And you see in the news that there there tend to be more bitings, and you know the statistics, then yeah, you're you're going to have a feeling about that that breed, right? It just stands to reason. I, I mean, I don't know, you know, are we supposed to uh, not learn from our life experiences? Are we supposed to ignore crime stats? Hmm. Well, apparently, apparently that's what the governments in Australia want you to do. That's what the governments in the United States and the UK want us to do, and Germany and the rest of Europe. Yeah. And definitely Canada. Don't even get me started on Canada. So, okay, uh, let's go ahead and roll that next, uh, that next clip. It's a big clip, so we'll, we'll, we'll do a lot of stopping and starting. Violent street brawl involving back after yet another violent street brawl involving 200 people. Victoria police are facing further criticism with claims they've lost control to street gangs. Pause one second. Over 200 people. Would you like to guess what all 200 people had involved? I mean, I'm sorry, had in common. 
every single person out of the over 200 people had in common. Okay, I'll let you I'll let you guess. Go ahead and and continue the clip. I'm ready. I'm ready for that walk. Yeah, that walk. If a n on his mouth, I'll break his jaw. I'll break his jaw. It's a shambles and it's a disgrace. Melbourne has a law and order problem. Thugs running wild, causing chaos on our streets. It had been a shooting that had happened because it sounded that horrific. So I uh, woke up and saw the car with the back windows smashed and the, the other one as well over there. You know, it's something from the movies. You don't expect to see that 200 metres from your house. One piggy, two piggy, big bad wolf. I'm a medicine society when I smoke that quick. At the centre of this terrifying brawl, a record company with links to Melbourne gang menace to society. They're angry, violent, and they've got an axe to grind with the current affair. And now there's a new threat to public safety. The gang calling itself menace to society. In a moment, we'll talk to former organised crime squad detectives. We've been well and truly aware of, and we've been monitoring. It's reignited debate over whether police are doing enough to tackle gang violence and protect the innocents who become collateral damage. They're not. The general public are absolutely disgusted. Former Police Commissioner Cal Glare believes Victoria Police has lost the plot. We seem to have a new form of policing where we don't actually arrest anyone when they're committing offences. We try and scramble around and find them afterwards. Obviously it's not working. It started as an event for 66 records held at the Gasometer Hotel in Trendy Collingwood in Melbourne's inner city. Just before 3am on Sunday, fight broke out and around 200 youths spilled onto Smith Street. It was actually looked like a, like a stampede of people. Terrifying sight, with many armed with makeshift weapons. One man in his car allegedly accelerating towards a crowd, hitting and seriously injuring an 18-year-old. It's been reported the teen, who's now had his leg amputated, may have been interviewed by police about the murder investigation into the death of 19-year-old La Chol, who was stabbed during an Airbnb party earlier this year. A lot of screaming. It sounded like a whole lot of different kinds of people. Young people, though, um, it sounded more like a riot. We do not feel very safe now, <laughs> especially at night. We're looking over our shoulders, behind the back. Mm -hmm. When it's a dark street, you said, yeah, should I go? That was not the feeling like a few weeks ago. So it has changed no. something. It has definitely changed something. And it wasn't just these thugs hurting each other. Xavier Mikel was one of a few residents who had their car windows smashed. They didn't steal anything, so there was pure vandalism. Just the idea to break something, damage something. Police had known about this event for some time. They knew there'd be individuals there who had a criminal history and connections. There was no intelligence to say that there was going to be any brawling, fighting, assaults or anything of that nature. I think maybe they thought they were giving the, that sort of community some faith, that they wouldn't act that way. It's unfortunate that they did. We've been broken into probably over the last two years about four or five times through the front doors and they just come and grab it. Peter Donnellan owns a basketball outlet a few doors down from the hotel. They're mainly Sudanese that have been in that position. They've come into the store and now we lock the doors when they come in. They never buy anything. Um, um, and they call us racist because we're doing it, but it's, the only option is is what the police have told us, is to lock the door and search them on the way out. To the shock of locals, no one was arrested that night. Today, Police Minister Lisa Neville came... Pause. So isn't this sad? The store the storekeepers have to lock the door... When, when a bunch of these uh, African gangs come in and they walk around the store, they never buy anything. They're simply going to grab something and run out the door. And so the, the, the police say, lock the door and search them before they leave. Now, at least they're allowed to do that. At least that's a good idea. You know, in the United States, I, I mean, I guess, hell, that's better than what we do. In the United States, they just let them go in and steal whatever they want to steal, watch them and let watch them walk out. Now, I wouldn't if I were there. If I, if I was there, I would pick up something and, and beat them over the head with it. Uh, and and uh, and dra drag them to the back and and call the cops and wait and whatever happened to me is whatever happened to me but and I I know damn well I wouldn't just stand there and watch them walk off with all this you know arms full of merchandise but so 
can you imagine in the United States if if the shopkeeper started locking the doors and, and searching the, the, the young uh, African teens before they left? Oh, hell would break loose. People would be screaming racism. They The, the stores would get burned down. Uh, the, the, the people that own the store and work at the store would probably be assaulted, if not killed. I mean, it's out of control. Out of well, control. The, the other thing that it seems like if you're going to deal with a, a group of, <laughs> I guess, black gangs and they come into your store, would it even be worth locking it? Because it seems like you're basically locking yourself in a prison with them, you know? Well, it depends. It depends. I've seen some really good videos where the person is locked behind a glass behind the counter and they lock the person in from the door. And so the, team, the the people are locked inside the store. They can't get behind the counter where the workers are at, and they can't get out of the door. Right. Yeah, I've seen. I think they do. That. I saw. I just saw this one video where this with this black guy walks in. He's and he's going in. He's what robbed the place before. He goes straight to the back and says, "Open up the safe for me." And, he, and they they say no. And he goes and walk goes ahead and walks in the back. And and uh, as soon as he does that, the all the customers and the workers go outside and they lock the door. And there's bars on the window. And so he's banging and he shoots at the door and he's begging and and the cops show up and that's the end of that. Right. But well, yeah, they, they locked his ass in the store and he couldn't get out. Right. Yeah. There are but, certain gas stations, even small gas stations where you just walk in and it's it's a very small gas station that you can't walk around. There's just like a little entrance way to walk in, pay and then walk right back out. And uh, they're kind of like um, triangle shaped, like almost like shaped like a door wedge. And uh, people don't know it, but a lot of times they can lock the outside door by just hitting a button. Oh, I've seen that. Well, I think it would only be uh, it would only really be a good bulwark uh, if you could uh, if you could kind of uh, uh, I guess uh, protect yourself from them. Like a lot of yeah. gas stations have like a glass a glass thing in between where. You got to have bulletproof glass because a lot of these scumbags have guns. Yeah. Whereas uh, it appears in this, this is just like a this is just like a topical shop where I don't think there's going to be anything, anything similar to that. You know. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. Okay, go ahead and hit the thing. Defensive officers on the Neil Mitchell program. If you have 200 people and you've got a handful of police, it's a very difficult scenario to be la making large arrests. So you said that there is no such thing as a no arrests policy? There, absolutely. We've seen 700 arrests since, um, since March. There needs to be arrests made when these offences are committed. They need to be arrested, taken before the courts, and the courts need to respond with some fairly severe sentences. And if that happened a few times, then this would disappear as a problem very quickly. Was that the end of the clip? Yep. Okay, so first of all, I agree with what the man said. I agree that serious sentences needed hand, handed down. Not because people will learn their lesson, but because at least you'll take the criminals off the streets. Yeah. They'll, they'll still commit crimes inside jail, of course, because that's what always happens. But take the criminals off the streets. You're not gonna, they're not going to learn a lesson. Anybody that's, that's doing these type of things will never learn their lesson, ever. Yeah. It is who and what they are, and it's just the end. Of, that's just the end of the conversation. But stick their asses in prison and let them rot there for as long as humanly possible. And uh, you know, if these people are Sudanese, if they haven't become citizens, deport them. Right. Deport them. Why are you allowing this? Why are you importing criminals? Yeah, all of our countries have enough criminals that we have enough homegrown criminals. We need to start importing criminals? Well, I think this is also where you just start to see kind of BS political arguments that become incredibly convoluted. They'll probably say something like, oh, well, they're like this because their country's war-torn and it's war-torn because of uh, white colonization. So they have a duty to let them in their country <laughs> and let them run amok. <laughs> yeah. Oh, come on. They don't have a duty to let them rape and rob and steal and, and uh, commit violence. We have to. This is ultimately what a lot of these arguments boil down to: is that uh, well, they might be doing horrible things, but it's entirely due to the fault of their white oppressors. Therefore, uh, the white oppressors should just, uh, I guess, just uh, either give them a bunch of money or, I guess, let them do what they want to do. And if they're actually committing no, both, crimes, both, yeah, they don't want to give them a bunch of money and or let them commit crimes. It's not an either or situation. They want to give them a bunch of money and let them commit a bunch of crimes. 
Yeah. Well, I meant more so in the case they'll they'll typically argue something like, oh, well, they only commit these crimes because they're poor. So they're lower socially economic and they don't have as much uh, resources. Therefore, there needs to be some sort of uh, reparations. <laughs> you know, that really is the calculus. So, so here's the problem with with, with minority with, with these type of communities. The rape rate is extremely high and there's going to be an upcoming show about uh, African gangs in the UK. And uh, gang rapes are really big amongst these gangs. Gang rapes. Um, it's going to be some shocking stuff. And uh, my question is, they're so poor that they have to rape? I mean, what's the argument? The argument is, is that, well, I can't really afford to take a girl out on a, on a really nice date. And, I, and I, you know, I don't have the money for a prostitute. So sometimes you just got to take the pussy. <sighs> I mean, is that <laughs> yeah? How does poverty explain the high rate of rape in those communities? That's what I'm trying to figure out. Well, also, kind of to the they they seem to be uh, most just disproportionately uh, involved in things like uh, aggregated burglary. Uh, the New York Times article I read said it was like over thirty percent over. They're over thirty times as represented in burglaries relative to the general population, whereas the that one guy said it was fifty seven times. Which I mean, either way, it's sta it's staggering regardless. But uh, I mean, there's no way it's the case that, I mean, I'm sure poor people that are non-Sudanese in, in Australia are also likely to be, are also more likely to be involved in those crimes. And I'm not excusing it or saying that's a good reason for it. But there's no way they're 30 times as likely to commit those, you know? Right. Maybe like two, three, four times, but 30 times. I mean, come on. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's, it's insane. It's absolutely insane. The, and that's one of the that's part of their argument. Their argument is is that the number is so insane that it just can't be true. No, it is definitely it is, you're right. It is shockingly insane, but it's definitely true. It's both at the same time. You're absolutely right. It's shockingly it's shockingly insane. It's it's difficult to wrap your mind around that the numbers are that high for such a small group of people. That's yeah. I'm I'm 100 with you on that one. It's surreal, but it's also a fact. Yeah. Um, well. Yeah, and they also, I mean, we brought this up before, but they can't claim racism on the part of the police, given that stuff like drug crimes, they're not disproportionately involved, you know, whereas like they are murder is a murder is a murder. A rape is a rape is a rape is a rape. And assault is an assault is an assault is an assault. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know how they can think bias factors into it. One guy killed another guy, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, we're, we're, there was really not too much wiggle room there. Yeah. Yeah, it's all it's all absolutely insane. Yeah, I, I, I've seen so many. I mean, yeah, we're definitely. Oh, for, for, well, let, me, let me say this before I forget because I've forgotten a couple of times. So, for my for the listeners around the world, and right now we're talking about Australia. So, for the Australian listeners, so I remember there was a movie with uh, Samuel L. Jackson called A Time to Kill, and it was about these mean, horrible rednecks that raped this poor, innocent little black girl. Okay. So let's give you some stats, shall we? On a yearly basis, white women, about nearly 38,000 white women are raped by black men. Nearly 38,000 white women are raped by black men. Nobody take my word for this. Always, always look up the stats. Always, anything, time I give you a stat, I always want you to look it up. And don't ever just take my word for it. Nearly 38,000 white women are raped by black men in the United States. How many black women do you think are raped on an annual basis by white men? Less than 20 per year. Not less than 20,000. Less than 20. It's called a statistical zero. It's such a small number that it can't, it, they put an asterisk where, they, where there should be a percentage. That's how small it is. It's less than 20. Less than 20 black women are raped by white men in, in the United States in a year. Wow. A statistical zero. Anybody that doubts my word, I want you to look it up. Google it. It's very simple. It's very, very simple. Yeah. So if that doesn't blow your mind, I don't know what does. I don't know what would. Yeah, well... I... I think uh, South Sudanese uh, being like 57 times uh, over uh, uh, 57 times, 57 uh, times more likely to commit to aggravated burglaries also blows my mind. It does. It's shocking. 
It's, it's not really shocking. It should be shocking. It's not shocking to me at all. It should be very, very shocking. To me, it's just par for the course. I'm not surprised at all. I would be surprised if it wasn't. In fact, if the numbers didn't show that, I would be very suspicious. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, the other thing I, I keep seeing is that, um, or I guess I, I touch this a little bit, is that, uh, what was I going to say? They, they seem to, or I guess this is mostly Australians that uh, I've seen this, is that they, they seem to think that, uh, oh, well, it's so lurid to, to bring, bring up black people or to bring up black crime, therefore it just can't be true, you know? And that they seem to think that, oh, because it's so lurid, it just must be racist for you uh, uh, attributing a, a disproportionate amount of crime to blacks or Africans. But, but here's my question. Why, would it, why is it wrong to bring it up if it's true? Right. It's, it's like saying, that, again, I'll say it again. It's, it's like saying men commit over 99, well over 99% of the rapes. Yeah. Is that sexist? Or is it just a fact? Yeah, that that actually reminds me because I, I I actually copied I actually indented this article, but I decided not to read it. But I thought it was funny because this woman's like, oh well, maybe black people do commit more crimes in Australia, but men also commit things. So why don't we call? Why don't we say that uh, rape is particularly a male thing? And I'm like, they do. Yes. Yeah. That, what do you think, cops? <laughs> cops. <laughs> rape cops are... is a male thing. What else could it be? Yeah. Yeah, they don't understand that the stuff already happens. It's 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 kind of a phenomenon where I see where they'll. They'll seemingly just spitball any argument they can to make it look bad while not realizing the case that, uh, well, that argument that you think is ridiculous, that's supposed to show that the other side's ridiculous and that they won't accept it, they actually do. <laughs> you of know? course I accept it. What, am I, what else am I supposed to say? Yeah. First of all, it just stands to reason. How many women are out there just, just dying for sex so bad that they're out there willing to try to physically force a man into having sex? All a woman has to do is she can, stand, she can step out at 3 o'clock in the morning or you know 3 a.m. or Oh, 300 hours, however you want to look at it, depending on what type of, time, of military time or, or uh, just regular standard time. So three o'clock in the morning, middle of the night, and scream, I need dick. And there would be men jumping. There'd be a 150, 200 men jumping from the bushes from every direction, running to give her some dick. Yeah. If a man stands out at three o'clock in the morning screaming, I need pussy, all he would do is be standing there waiting to hear the sirens. <laughs> <laughs> that man is tired of living in his apartment he needs a vacation and in the stripey hole he needs to head to, he needs locked up in a cell because that's the only thing that's going to happen yeah yeah you're right yeah i i'm trying to think uh just kind of doing a recap of this another thing that uh they well, we touched on it a little bit where they seem to take this, or police seem to split hairs and say it's not really a gang, which I mean, if they get together and then every time they get together, they commit crime. That seems like a, you, you know what it seems like? It's like people argue like the, the kind of genesis for gangs are kind of like a primordial gang. And they'll typically argue it's just a lot of young kids. You don't have anything to do and they're just invariably going to do bad stuff. And that's for a lot of like sociologists, that's the genesis of a gang, which it seems like that's what's happening with the South Sudanese. They get together and they do a lot of bad stuff, you know? So it, it seems by their kind of like own criteria that should be a gang, you know? It's, that's where I, I'm somewhat uh, baffled by it. They, they seem to be saying something like, uh, oh, well, it's not coordinated enough, you know? When I got together with my friends, it wasn't, there, I mean, I'm not saying fights never happen, but it wasn't always fights. There wasn't nothing but mayhem. And we didn't go around trying to figure out what kind of horrible crimes we could commit, much less violent crimes. Yeah. Just didn't happen. Yeah. And I didn't hang out with a bunch of choir boys. Yeah. But it, it just didn't happen. I, I, don't, I don't know what else to say. You know, the idea that if a group of young men get together, they automatically have to start stabbing each other or get into a big brawl. And uh, I can't imagine 200, over 200 people being involved in a, in a fight just out of, out of the blue. Right. I watched this one video, and I don't even know where it's at. It was in some, it was in the projects, you know, one of those government housing things. And it was black women, it started out with black women and it started, and then black men got involved. But it was like probably at least 100 people just beating the living hell out of each other. Yeah. Just beating the living hell out of each other. Everybody beating everybody. Yeah. And they were snatching their weaves off their head. I guess those wigs they put on their heads were they were laying all over the ground. It's the craziest damn thing I ever saw in my life. Yeah. I 
it's almost like, a, for whatever reason, a lot of these, because we're seeing in kind of like the post-George Floyd America, a bunch of like social gatherings that just devolve into everyone fighting each other. And you're like, what the hell happened here? You know, but it really does seem like this kind of rioting. And I know, obviously, this is politically incorrect, which. So, I mean, if you watch this podcast, you know that we don't care. But uh, if you look if you look at like a lot of these riots, it seems to be particularly all black. You know, I, I can't find of like an equivalent for white people or white trash, you know. I, really I can't think. even. I can't even. I can't find an equivalent for Asians. For, and when I say Asians, I know a lot of people. When they say Asians, they mean Middle Eastern people. Although I can't see. I, I've never seen one for Middle Eastern people. Uh, I've never seen one. When I say Asian, I'm talking about Oriental people. I'm talking about Chinese, Japanese, Korean, you know, Laotian, whatever. I've never seen that. I've never seen somebody, you know, a bunch of people from Vietnam going crazy on each other. Right. Uh, and I'm sure his, some Hispanic fights happen and stuff, but I, I don't see, you know, these huge Hispanic riots. Yeah. I just don't see it. Like, <laughs> I mean, maybe it kind of goes against the argument of like uh, it being organized, but it, it does seem like, how, how does this even happen? Like, it, are, do they just, does this just happen where one little disagreement happens and then a whole fight erupts and then everyone has to get into it and no one breaks it up? Or is it something like uh, some sort of cultural, uh, something like culturally is inculcated where they're like, oh, let's do this. And this is like the standards, like kind of what you're seeing where they, they'll go into like a gas station and just rob all of it, you know? I remember a video of a Chicagoland. And when I say Chicagoland, I mean just somewhere in the general Chicago area. I'm not that familiar with Chicago. But it was in the Chicago area and it was a mall. And you know how like there'll be like a huge mall and then there'll be like, you know, outlying businesses, gas stations, stuff like that, you know, on the other side of the street and around, you know, in a, like a four squat square block area. And this huge gang of, of, of black teens, I, how many there were, I don't know. But they went through and they were robbing and beating uh, the customers and the, and, the, uh, and the store owners inside the mall. And then they went out and they were robbing and beating people that were getting in and out of their cars. And then they went across the street. And as they were crossing the street, they were attacking cars that were, that were waiting at the light. And then they went to the gas station that was directly across the street and they robbed and they beat the owner. Yeah. And I'm like, what the hell is wrong with these people? Why would you do that? Yeah. Well, th that's kind of my point to this. Maybe in just kind of a weird way, they're not entirely wrong when they call a gang when they, the PC police... Uh, won't call it a gang, though it's. Oh, oh, don't get me wrong. I know that chaos happens. I'm yeah. just saying. I think. It, I think it's both. I well, think part of it is, is they get together and they just go ape shit. And I think part of it is is that there are some organized crimes. There are some organized gangs. Yeah. Well, what I meant there is that like uh, it might be just like so extemporaneous. Which I mean, the one common denominator there is that they're in a they're in a group together. You know. So obviously, there I'd say that. Okay, call it call it a gang. You know what. What else is going to constitute? What other kind of criteria do you need? But this idea that you just see this like weird stuff just happens so extemporaneously that it doesn't even really seem to there doesn't really seem to be much rhyme or reason or even like like some sort of a I don't know antecedent like a reason or action for it happening or the conscious like antecedent reason or action for it happening just kind of says that that uh, you know this might actually not be that organized except to the extent that they, when people get in a they get in groups like this, they're just going to commit crime, you know, or going to start rioting. Right. E either way, it's not good. Yeah. Yeah. Either way you slice it, it's, it's not a good thing. Yeah. And it doesn't say anything good about the people involved. Well, you have to wonder kind of like they, they reference like a, you had a hip hop rally where, or I guess like a hip hop concert where they, I, they, they immediately just, uh, or it devolved later on into them just attacking people. It could be something like they could be, they're rapping about such like a, antisocial or such like a disturbing behavior that in that moment it just be kind of becomes suffused with them and then they just start rioting you know <laughs> like 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 they're referencing the thing about uh, uh early on in the news story about how uh, uh i i guess the that little like hip-hop or group or whatever that concert arena took umbrage with something that that newscast said and they were like smashing tvs with it on it you know yeah there was the, it was a gang it was a gang, a black, uh, an African gang that had uh, that had uh, that cre somehow created their own record label or were associated with their own record label. Label. It was called uh, Menace to Society, which reminds me, there was a movie called I believe it was it was it Menace to Society. It was um, oh crap, what was it? I don't I don't remember the name of the movie. It was on the tip of my tongue, 
But anyway, black people that were going in the United States going to see the movie started shooting at the screen. <sighs> so you're in a movie theater. First of all, if you're in a movie theater in an area like that, you're, you're kind of, you know, you're not too too bright, too wise in the first place. But so you're in a movie theater and people watching the movie, first of all, don't go to the movie theater in that area if you want to hear what the movies, if people are saying, because people are screaming at the screen. They're having a conversation with the actors on the screen. Right. This, is the, this is the level of stupidity. But they start shooting at the screen. Oh. Shooting at the screen. I, I must say it reminds me, and I know I've, I've told you this before, but there was a there was a Howard Stern clip from, I believe, 2001 or 2002 where they had Magic Johnson on, but Gilbert Godfrey was also in the studio. And Howard Stern brought up how bewildered he was that uh, Magic Johnson would buy a movie theater in the ghetto, which he's, he tends to be known for in the United States, but uh, or one of the things that he's known for, given that uh, Howard Stern's experience of movie theaters has been that uh, the brothers, as he calls them, would shoot at it, you know? Yeah. And I remember right right away, Gilbert interjects in like a stereotypical black voice. He's like, how come when I shoot at the people, they don't fall down? <laughs> right. So, I mean, back, back we're getting kind of far far afield from Australia. But so, you know, what, what this shows to me is, and I, again, you know, this shows to me that Australia suffers from the same politically correct, if not worse, bullshit the united states suffers from yeah uh which is very sad um it's not based in reality it's it's a disease that western civilization has has, has come under and i i don't know what the solution is i don't know what the cure is i don't i don't know if there is a cure um but there, it's a strange self-loathing feeling of of guilt for the past that they've decided that, you know what, we just have to let people run amok. And that's going to be our penance for uh, things that people did long before we were even born. Yeah. Which I, is very, very, very strange. Yeah. I I guess I should say, maybe this is kind of my final remark, because I think I've pretty much said everything I wanted to say. But uh, I remember there was a Thomas Sowell quote, which I wish I could find it. Maybe I, if I looked for it, I could find it right now, but I don't want to spend that time. But uh, it went something to the effect of, and this crystallized everything for me, that we're reaching a point in society where it becomes where uh, one group's one group's faults are the are the fault of another one. And that's the only reason for it, you know. And it's it's really what we're seeing where if a group does something horrific or if they're if they commit a horrific uh, number of crimes or disproportionately a horrific number of crimes, the only reason for it could be that, oh, well, it's the fault of uh, it's a fault of like systemic racism propagated by white people or something. So therefore, it's the white people's fault, you know, right, right, which really is horrible because it's just it's just them taking no accountability for their actions, which just seems like a horrible, horrible precedent precedent at the end of the day. Well, the, the rule is everything that we do wrong is our fault and everything everybody else does wrong is our fault. Right. And that does make sense. Yeah. You got to hold everybody equally accountable. Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's like the 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 crux of wokeness that I found find most baffling. That really, because some groups been uh, I guess historically oppressed in some way, that uh, whatever they do in common, whatever whatever problems they have in modern society is not due to them, you know, or is not their is not their own fault. Which I just find absolutely maddening. It's just a I don't I don't know who you can actually live that way, but uh, apparently you can. Apparently you can because we have been. Um, but it's not it's not sustainable. Western civilization is is coming unglued. And yeah. without Western we, we, Western civilization is modern civilization. And so without Western civilization, what, what what are we left with? Not much. Not much. Even the even the substandard barbaric civilizations that exist are are still uh, poor copycats of Western civilization. So what what are we going to be left with? Barbaric chaos. And, and folks, if that's really what you want for yourselves or your children or your grandchildren uh, or your great-grandchildren or whatever the case may be, then just keep on plugging on along the way that you're going. Keep on sticking, you know, keep being that ostrich with his head stuck in the sand. Yeah. Because that's, that's, that's going to solve everything. Pretending that it's not, things aren't true. That's really the solution to everything. I'm sure. So now that we, I think we pretty much wrapped up everything on, on uh, African gangs in Australia. Tomorrow, 
I'm going to do a little teaser. We don't do, we don't do teasers, but I'm going to do a little, we don't usually do teasers, but I'm going to do a little teaser. Tomorrow is going to be African gangs in the UK. African gangs in the UK. And uh, the, the, the material that we have is just as shocking, if not more so. This is brutal stuff. So, you know, you, you better be prepared if you're going to listen to the podcast tomorrow. Uh, not tomorrow. Uh, yeah, tomorrow. This is coming out Tuesday. So, African gangs in the UK. Brutal stuff. Brutal stuff. But uh, reality is often harsh. All right. So, if you've enjoyed this podcast, if you've enjoyed our other podcasts, if you'd like to hear more of this, we drop a podcast Monday through Friday. In other words, Sunday into Monday. So, uh, 12.01 Monday uh, a.m., 12.01 Monday morning. So Monday, to, Sunday night into Monday morning, we dropped the first podcast. And the last podcast gets dropped uh, Thursday going into Friday. So twelve after 12.01 Friday morning. And sometimes it takes, you know, sometimes it happens instantly. Sometimes it takes a while. Uh, we're broadcasted on between 35 and 40 platforms. I've increased the platforms. And so we're, we're, we're broadcasting on... Between 35 and 40 podcast platforms. So any podcast platform you can possibly think of, simply type in conservative atheist and you'll see the clown face and you'll see the American flag wrapped around the clown face. And that means you're in the right place. Um, we enjoy feedback. So please feel free to give feedback, either uh, write some feedback or leave us a voicemail. You can also leave voicemails and, uh, we really appreciate that, whether it's positive or negative, either one. Uh, it's much appreciated. We enjoy the encouragement. So, again, we also have been doing, I've been doing bonus episodes. It's called Moronic Roundtable Discussions, and we try, I try to include different discussion topics every, every Saturday. So it's a bonus episode, free episode, obviously, just like the rest. And it's Friday night into Saturday morning, so 12, after 12.01 Saturday morning. It, it uh, drops and uh, moronic roundtable discussions. And it's basically a huge group of people having a discussion about a serious topic. Um, and, uh, you know, it's conspiracies. It's, it's you know, legitimate topics also. But uh, it's always uh, really, really important topics that uh, the, the people that are discussing have absolutely no clue about. But that never stops them in talking about it and acting like an authority. And they have absolutely no clue about what the hell they're talking about, which is funny and sad at the same time. So maybe you'll enjoy it. I don't know. All right. That being said, one last thing. Tonight, when you're laying in your bed in the dark and you're staring up in the ceiling and you're starting to slip, slip into slumber, I want you to repeat this mantra. Conservative atheist is always right. 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 Hey, conservative atheist is always right. And the next day when you wake up, you'll feel like a new person. The air will feel crisp. The sun will shine bright. The flowers will smell sweeter. And the birds will sing your name. And all will be right with the world. And if it's not, it means you're not listening to enough conservative atheist podcast. So you need to get on the ball. Okay, you knuckleheads. I'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening.